the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Lots to get to here as we react instantly. 11.35 p.m. Eastern Time as I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> hey, Arizona Wildcats with a 7-0 lead right now on UCLA. Um, that's what I've got, but really my, my attention's on you all, gentlemen, because we have so much to break down. It was a loaded day across college football. Uh, of course, we will be getting to Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State, a resounding rivalry win against Oklahoma and the fallout from that. Texas it holds off Kansas State in overtime, and the Big 12 title Race gets a little bit clearer, but I want to begin, of course, on <clears throat> shout out cover through film room. The conclusion of the SEC on CBS doubleheader, the conclusion of the CBS college football triple header, that would be Alabama's win against LSU in Tuscaloosa. Now we'll be getting to you know rankings impact for both of these teams later on in tomorrow's top 25 today. Um, but you know, Tom, I'll throw this to you first. Jalen Milrow has truly a historic performance. You know, the four rushing touchdowns, just awesome. What what impressed you the most out of Alabama's win uh, here against the Tigers? Well, it certainly wasn't the defense, Chip. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think more than anything, like Jalen Milrow obviously had an incredible game. He threw for 219, he rushed for 155, had the four touchdowns. And I think we saw, too, I mean, it really opened up the rest of their run game. Like, he had the majority of the yards, but Jace McClellan ran the ball well. Roy Dale Williams ran the ball well. I just, it was, this was like a tennis match, and it was whoever broke serve first was going to win. And you had the Jaden Daniels interception, which was tipped and allowed Alabama to go up two scores. And then Jaden Daniels, of course, gets knocked out of the game. And at that point, it was, I mean, it was a wrap at that point. Like, you thought maybe they'd be able to come back with Jaden in there, but once he was gone... The game felt over. I know I moved to a secondary screen and moved Washington USC to the primary, but it was just, it was a really fun and entertaining game. 
And it really just kind of went how I expected it to. I thought Alabama was going to win, and I thought there were going to be a lot of points because I had trust in Alabama to be able to get more stops than I did LSU, and that's really how it played out. Honestly, I, I thought Bama was the more physical team. When Bama was moving the ball on offense, it looked easier. It felt like LSU was making exceptional plays. And this played out basically how I expected the game to play out. LSU took four corners in the transfer portal. That tells me you think your corners suck. LSU played its defense to protect its corners. Bama really didn't hit very many of those deep shots down the field. Right. But every time every time CBS would show the zoomed-out view, and you can see in the L-22, they're playing off. They're trying to light box Alabama. They're trying to really just, you know, minimal personnel up front to protect that secondary. That's why I bet Alabama in this game. I was like, there's no way that these LSU freshman corners are ready for this moment. And they weren't. And although the freshman corners weren't exposed like crazy, I think that what really was exposed was how LSU had to play its defense to protect them. Right. Like, the, and, and, and they, they did get exposed a couple times in some of the run fit stuff. The way Bama blocked it up, they really forced some of those young guys to be in the fit and actually be the guy that's got to tackle a really dynamic athlete in Jalen Milrow. And like Bama's a better team than LSU if LSU doesn't have Makai Wingo and all four of the corners they took in the portal. I think they're probably better anyway, but they're definitely better without those guys in there. And that, I mean, this played out like I thought it, Bama was going to make LSU earn everything on offense. They contested routes. Neighbors had a couple key drops like we talked about in big game breakdown, right? Hey, he's really good at get open, but if you can cover him, he will not catch the football reliably. And what do you have? Three drops tonight in tight-ish coverage? At least That two. hurt LSU. Like Bama said, hey, we're going to put hands on you. And they I did. Mean, like, whether it's uh, Arnold, McKinstry, Moore, like you, you've got dudes yeah. there that are going to be really physical and they're going to make you make tough catches. You caught on Brian Thomas to try to be the one who would maybe be able to step up there. Um, they weren't able to get enough. I'm glad you mentioned Makai Wingo because there was one Roydale Williams run. I think it was like a 12, 16-yard run. It was just right up the middle. And I was like, you know what? I don't think that happens if Makai Wingo is there right now. But, you know, credit to Tommy Reese and Alabama for being able to identify what needs to be exploited and being able to go get it done. On the defensive side, you know, you, you mentioned it wasn't the defense that was impressive. Do you all think that there was at least some of the enough of Alabama's defense where you're not looking at the Crimson Tide and – you know, I mean, we have to start having the conversation. They are undefeated in conference play. Their only loss is to Texas. They have a head-to-head -head win against Ole Miss. Like, we need to start gaming this thing out all the way to the end of the season. And we'll get to Georgia a little bit later on in the show. But, like, is this, a, is this an Alabama team that coming out of this very, very big and important win, do you come out of it feeling any better or worse about where it stands compared to the class of the SEC, the Georgia Bulldogs? <sighs> No, like I, I don't think like this is a statement of their defense as much as I, I feel like it's probably a result of the way they played. But like Alabama only had one tackle for loss in the entire game, and I think that was mostly because they were trying to protect against the big play, and they weren't really, didn't want to bring a ton of pressure to give Jane Daniels even more. Yeah, running don't space, don't put which, bodies in the backfield when Daniels can be forty yards to the other. Yeah, by the way, it was super effective. Jaden rushed for one hundred and sixty-three yards, but it's just yeah. it's yeah like. I don't, I don't think it was a bad defensive game, but I certainly don't think it was a great defensive game for Alabama. And it's, I mean, 
the the important thing to take away here is Jalen Milrow had an incredible game, but does Jalen Milrow do that against Georgia? Because like this is something that everybody's been doing against LSU. Mm. Like LSU's defense has been duty for the most part all season long, and everybody that goes against it is scoring a bunch of points and putting up a bunch of yards. So I don't know if there's a ton to take away from this one if you're Alabama, other than it did what good teams are supposed to do. It went out there and took care of its business. It got the win, and now it's going to move on. I still think, even though we'll talk about it later, I'm sure, and that Georgia didn't look incredible today, I still think Georgia's a better team. I'm not upgrading Alabama at all after this win. Mm-hmm. Right? Like uh, we, We've seen teams do this. Uh, Florida State was 45-17 on the opening weekend, right? Like that's basically what score was tonight, plus another you know score. Like they basically played the same game. I, I think LSU is a really good team. I think Bama's a better team, especially with the guys LSU had out. What, what did Bama do tonight that translates against Georgia? <laughs> oh, halftime adjustments. That's sure. So like, I have yeah. not been able to like actually break it down as as you all know. Every single rinse, repeat, multitasking a lot during the second half of this late window. But the fact that you are able to limit. You know what it and Jane Daniels is knocked out again for the final what four minutes of that game, last possession and a half, I guess, for yeah. the Tigers. Um, you know, you got to take that into consideration. But I, I kind of think that when you are in a track meet, when you are in a tennis match, if if you hold your opponent to just one score in the second half, then you've done enough. Like you've come up with the plays that you need to do to be able to take a high scoring back and forth affair. I mean, they they did not finish the first half well. They played they whatever adjustments were made. And again, I haven't broken down to understand schematically what they might have been. It sure seems like it it worked out in the second half. To to further your question, you you did ask, does it change your opinion about where Alabama is in the SEC compared to Georgia? And if I had not watched the Georgia Missouri game, I might just be a flat no. But maybe there are some things, that, and we'll get to it that that you could right. do against Georgia, right? There, there are, are some weaknesses there. Like Georgia's not probably on the level that it was the last two years. I think it's still either the best or second best team in the country. But if Georgia played like a C minus game in the, in the SEC championship, and Bama played its A game, could Bama win? I, I think they could. Like I, I don't think Georgia is so historically dominant that it is just a one hundred percent foregone conclusion. There's a dumbed down um, everybody sucks Saturday take. I don't think that everybody sure. sucks, but I do think that what we are witnessing that would lead you to that is just the the shrinking of the gap. That the top teams just continue to look a little bit closer to like the 10th best team. And that makes you feel like everybody sucks, even if the teams at the top are still very, very good at what they do. Because, you know, whether it is Georgia getting caught close, whether it is Oklahoma getting knocked off, um, you know, you've got Florida State gets a little bit of a slow start. Ohio State has its hands full with Rutgers. Like, it it just kind of felt like all these teams that we were looking at to just you know, go and just put hands on people and just let got caught in a, a bunch of fist fights, which is cool. I mean, it's college football in November. More fun that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So it wasn't a total everybody sucks Saturday. Leading into the game, I was wondering if, if Alabama blew out LSU I was like, we're going to come out of this day saying the only team that's good in college football is the Alabama Crimson Tide. But that defense, as you mentioned, uh, lit up a little bit by Jaden Daniels. Anything else from uh, from this game? We got a lot to get to, so 
I feel like we don't need to linger, but it is the game that just finished like 30 minutes ago. Daniel's Heisman is over, I assume. Yes. That's why I wrote the story for Friday. Yeah. Hey, isn't this a cool storyline? I'm like, yeah, let's write it right now. Does he still get tired in New York? Maybe. Yeah, I think he still has an outside shot to win it if he keeps playing extremely well and like Penix and Washington lose a game and Michigan loses a game. Like, I, I think he's still got a shot, but it's not a great one. I think they're going to be playing a lot of games in front of our friend Cole Kublik, right? Because it's Florida and A&M left on the schedule, I think. Is there is there an FCS or, or, or like a lower level two, I think, maybe? I you think say, so Florida, A&M, and then they should have – no, because they've already played Grambling. Oh, okay. Then, oh, no, there, there's got to be somebody else then. We, we, that, that no, they played – didn't of. they just play Army a couple weeks ago? I think that was their typical – no, they got Grambling in Army. Soft strength of schedule. I'm sorry. In the chat has to know who it's they not play. your three losses that are going to keep you out of the playoff. It's the strength of schedule. Oh, Georgia State. Okay. So he'll he'll, he'll roast them. Um, Georgia State's kind of sick that we know this. Georgia State's corners are not very good. Like the rest of the defense is actually not bad, but they got, they got <sighs> torn up today. <laughs> Madison worked. <laughs> so. Before we get to anything else, here's 20 minutes on New Mexico State. (laughs) (laughs) The Yankees are good. Jerry Kill, man. Um, I had some middle. That was so frustrating. (laughs) What'd you have? I had some three and a half and and, and some three and some money line. Mm. Tough. Yeah. Tough, tough scene for uh, Aggies letting you down. A tough scene for Bud <laughs> Elliott. Um, all right, let's let's go dealer's choice here. Uh, apologies to Jordan that you got to keep track because it, initially I'd said you no know, USC Washington. By the way, final score Washington fifty two, USC forty two. If you do, you want to go to Bedlam? Sure. It feels more you- significant to me because it, it at the time when I was first putting the rundown together, USC looks like it might have won, right? USC knocks off Washington. That's a top five win. Washington beats USC. Caleb Williams is crying. The defense stinks. Like, I, I, I kind of feel like we're playing the hits at that point. <laughs> so Oklahoma State. But I, we that take ticket. it for real? You got, you got, a, you got like, uh, have you guys just sort of checked out? You put in PTO so you can go and buy your island with your <laughs> Oklahoma State Big 12 title ticket? I mean, you, you see the shirt. Right. Let's go. I mean, this is a phenomenal fall for Oklahoma from in the wake of uh, Red River. We're like, man, if they released the college football playoff rankings tomorrow, the Oklahoma Sooners have the best win in the country. They beat a Texas team that beat Alabama and this, that and the other. And now all of a sudden you go from narrowly, uh, narrowly beating UCF. They had a two point conversion play to tie that didn't work. Then you lose at Kansas. Weird game, weather delay. Okay, it was you know close. And then you lose, again, close, but to Oklahoma State. But loss, loss, and now all of a sudden the Sooners are like not only not in the college football playoff picture, like maybe not in the Big 12 title picture either, barring some kind of chaos down the stretch. Oklahoma fans are furious here on Saturday night. Why? Because uh, here, uh, I'll tell you why. Because Oklahoma has since has hit so many different marks of this has not happened since Bob Stoops was hired. <laughs> that the Bob Stoops era and the Lincoln Riley era 
have included levels of success that were just so high that any slip up at all was going to lead to, oh man, we, we haven't seen this scenario since like, oh shoot, 1997. And when that's coming up, it's not a good thing. That's why Oklahoma fans are mad because they lost to Oklahoma state, their rival. And because it knocked them from the big 12 title race. And because now they're going to be sitting here on the outside, looking in when three weeks ago or a month ago, they felt like they were going to be in the college football playoff. That's why they're going to be mad. That's that's fair. Uh, look, Oklahoma's a good football team. They're not a like team that would have any hope of winning a playoff game if they got in, I don't think. Although you're probably going to tell me that Texas has a pretty good chance to make the playoff, and they did beat Texas on a neutral field. It, I, I think Oklahoma's a good team. And Oklahoma State is a, a pretty solid team, right? Like, do I think Oklahoma's better than Oklahoma State on neutral? A little bit, but like, congrats to Oklahoma State for coming out and, and getting this win. Like, they, I thought they were pretty physical. They never quit. Oklahoma got some serious stops in short yardage multiple times in that game. It's like, oh, Oklahoma's got it now. Oklahoma's even going to cover, and they didn't, right? But Oklahoma just, I mean, you can't fumble the ball four times. Like that, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. Uh, all right. Well, look, it, you you just gave some great um some great marks. How about uh, Brent Venables now has almost as many losses as Lincoln Riley did. Fifty five and ten was Lincoln Riley's record at Oklahoma. Thirteen and nine is Brent Venables' record at Oklahoma. Lincoln almost has as many losses at USC as he did at Oklahoma. Um, I just like this game was. First of all, I think Oklahoma is just excessively ordinary on the road compared to when they're at home. Like it, that's been a common theme for them all year. When they leave Norman, they're even in the Texas game at the neutral site. They played well at the end and they won the game, but they, you know, it was a closer game. Um, this one is just to me. This is a rivalry. This was Bedlam. Like it was crazy. It was an insane ending. There was, you know, there's enough controversies that Oklahoma can feel like they were robbed. But it was just, yeah, the turnovers are what ended up killing them in the end. I don't think they really got outplayed as much as they made too many mistakes and they paid the price for it. And they lost. And now, yeah, it's probably cost them a chance to win the Big 12. And it's got Oklahoma State sitting very pretty. And it's just going to give Oklahoma State fans that whole, this was the last one for a while. And we have that on you. So no matter what happens when you go to the SEC, we beat you the last time we played you. So this was, to me, just a very fun rivalry game. I don't know that I have a huge takeaway from it. I, I think one of the takeaways is Oklahoma State really understands what it is and just keeps doing it. And if what it is is good enough to win on that day, awesome. But like They, they seem to kind of play within themselves, and they, there's, there's no quitting that team. They're going to have a lot of the tiebreakers now because, guys, Kansas beat Iowa State tonight. Right. Oklahoma State has a tiebreaker over Kansas they have Kansas a tiebreaker State. over Kansas State. They have a tiebreaker over what West Virginia. And Oklahoma. They have a tiebreaker over Oklahoma. They needed Iowa State to lose, and Iowa State did lose. So if you look at have – you, have you guys peeped at who's running on this schedule? Because we may have a lot of orange. In, where, where's the Big 12 championship game this year? Dallas? Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. Jerry World. We, we, we may have a whole lot of orange here. Guys, they, they play um, at UCF. It's all the newcomers. Which, now, look, mm-hmm. UCF will probably be favored. But <laughs> no. 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 Okay. No. You think? All right. For, first, first drink bet. 
<laughs> next time we all meet up. All right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Well, I'll, whether I win or lose, I'll buy the first drink. I don't care. <laughs> all right. And then at, at Houston and BYU. Right. Yeah. So if they can take care of UCF. And the BYU, really, BYU is in Stillwater, not Provo, because I, I swear you, you, you mentioned playing within themselves. Oklahoma State is not good to overcome horrible performance in bad conditions. Mm-hmm. But if they take care of business, like they're going, and we are going to hedge the hell out of that Pilot, championship yeah. game. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Uh, that, that is that is true. Speaking of coming up on the other side, we will start to discuss what we saw in that Big Twelve title race impacted game: Texas's overtime win against Kansas State, plus Georgia, Missouri, Ohio State, Rutgers, and more. Next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. And, um, you know, I, I do think that when we are talking on October 4th or 3rd or whatever the first weekend of October is going to be, we are doing a lot of, like, what is this team? Well, when we're talking about November, it is about the ramifications and the fallout. And sometimes you, you are, uh, but what does Bud always like to say? There's 12 versions of a team. But, like, what you are in some of these games end up having way more significance than what you are earlier in the season based on what's happened and based on what it means. Texas was not the best version of Texas against Kansas State. Damn, it was good enough. It was, like, just good enough to be able to get one huge win, which, given everything else that has happened, uh, Oklahoma taking its second conference loss, now all of a sudden – you have that inroad right there to be able to make it to the Big 12 championship game, to potentially win the Big 12 championship and be a one-loss team, compete for the college football playoff. Tom, how'd it happen? What, what was the most important thing for the Longhorns in this victory? Um, they ended up scoring more points in overtime. <laughs> Which would be important. three. You know, this was... I, <laughs> Like it was, this was a crazy wild game. Texas just started turning the ball over like inc- insane. And like, you, you know, we talked about this during the week. I don't know whether it was Wednesday or Thursday, but in this game last year, Texas jumped off to the big lead. Kansas State adjusted in the second half and came back. Very similar thing in this game where Texas looked like it was in control in the first half. And then in the second half, Malik Murphy wasn't looking like he was playing nearly as well as he had been in the first half. The holes that had been there for Jonathan Brooks started to close up a little bit more, and you didn't really see the Longhorns having that same kind of success on offense. And Kansas State offensively figured some things out, things they could take advantage of, and it started doing so. And, you know, it they came back. The turnovers obviously helped a lot. They were able to force the overtime, and then, you know, the overtime was just a mess for everybody. But Texas at least got a field goal out of it. Look, I, I thought Texas was much more physical than Kansas State, right? They they were I thought like they were clearly the better team on the day. And the turnovers made this like they, they almost messed up their season with two turnovers in their own end on back to back drives. Like Texas had this thing. I switched the game off, right? Because there were other like there were a lot of really good games in mm-hmm. this window. And I turned back and like, oh shoot, I'm glad we have DVR. I, I need to catch back up on this. Like, holy cow. Uh I for a second I was like, you, you, you get like the, the score alert, right? It's like, okay, like Kansas State scored. Like, there's no way they just scored again. They just scored again. Okay, mm-hmm. this is bad. But Texas ran for 230, okay? 
what Kansas State run for? 33. Yeah. 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 I, look, Texas whipped Kansas State along the lines of scrimmage. Texas, eight tackles for loss. Kansas State, three. Zero sacks for Kansas State, three for Texas. If you don't have the turnovers, we're talking about how can't, like Kansas State got blown out by Texas. It, it's, it's probably a three or four score win if they want to punch one in late. But turnovers matter and they happen. And that's kind of the risk of when you play a backup quarterback. Like, Weird stuff could happen that you you kind of think if yours is in there, maybe it doesn't, right? But I thought this was a great – I mean, the score won't show it, but I thought this was a great win for Texas because the stuff that you needed to show up, for the most part, did. Red zone defense because that defensive line was eating a pretty good offensive line for Kansas State. Like, that was big to me. That's kind of what kept them in the ballgame. I thought Kansas State's offensive line has made me rethink Kansas State's offensive line. Or maybe I should be rethinking Texas's defensive line. I think Texas D line's real. Like okay. I think we're going like like NFL draft guys on that D-line. Murphy sweat. Yeah. Like you know, you're just going to be like, dude, 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 dude. That's what I said on the big game breakdown on Wednesday. It's like outside of BB and uh, the tackle, other tackle's name I cannot remember. Their offensive line is not good this year. Yeah, and I thought Texas was going to be able to eat them alive in the in the interior, which we kind of saw. But Bud, another to your point. Texas's up red zone offense also helped keep Kansas State in the game, and that has yeah, been a theme for Texas all year long. Like you look at it, Kansas had three red zone possessions, only got you know 14 points out of it. They had the two touchdowns and they missed a field goal. But Texas had four red zone possessions and they only had 13 points. So despite having an extra possession, they finished with fewer points in the red zone than Kansas State did. So, like you look at the turnovers, you look at the red zone struggles, and that is what kept Kansas State in this game more than anything. Like, Texas did a very good job of that. It would make me so furious, the fact that Texas scores all the, the time from 30 and 40 and 54 yards out, but then you get them on, like, third and goal from the seven, and they don't have a chance. I, I don't know why it is, but, I mean, to your point, um, from the notepad, A.D. Mitchell's just a big game player. It, you know, what is it, health? availability doesn't feel like we've gotten full seasons from him throughout his career, both at Georgia and at Texas. What do you have? What? 138 yards or something ridiculous here. Two touchdowns. Um, kind of felt like he was the recipient of some of the Steve Sarkeesian. I'm in my bag. Give me a wide TF open. And uh, you know, you've got the fourth down play where you, you kind of fake the sneak and you pitch it out to CJ Baxter. Baxter goes ahead and gets scooting for a 54 yard touchdown. Texas, Texas has dudes. You know, it's not always pretty. I did not think Malik Murphy had a great game. He had a good first half. And then the second half, he was very, very ordinary looking. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I will be interested to see uh, how it goes the rest of the way. Get better, Quinn. Did, did he look bang up to you? Did Murphy? Yeah. Okay. Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, I didn't really see him doing anything that made me kind of raise an eyebrow that had me concerned. But again, this was also one of like you said, one of many games going on in the new window. So I might have missed it because I was also live blogging the banger between Ohio State and Rutgers during this one. I, I know he's not a great runner, but he didn't look twitchy at all. So I, I, I kind of wonder, I, Sark mentioned in the postgame how many guys they had who were gutting it out who were really banged up. They lost their right tackle during the game. Yeah. We got 10 or 11 starters out. 
And if it's a stock, you better buy. We'll get, we'll get to the Tigers later. Um, Tom, I got no looks at Ohio State Rutgers. Aren't you a lucky son of a gun? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, that was a CBS. No, 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 no. Look, hey, you, you throw me, throw me out there, and you can see. You can see all the Slack comments. You can see all the written production on CBSSports.com. I was just assigned to other games. All right? You know? <laughs> Chip was I on Notre was, Dame Clemson. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was assigned to other games, and Tom Fernelli had it on lock. So, Tom, guide me. Uh, what well, in the world was that? The final score was 35 to 16 Ohio State, but friends, that was a very misleading final score because Ohio State scored a couple touchdowns late to put this one away and make it look better than it was. Um, the simple truth, like to boil this all down as basic as possible, is that Rutgers' defense is legitimately good, and Rutgers' defense did a very good job against Ohio State. The problem for Ohio State is that, and this has been a problem for them a lot this year, Rutgers' entire defensive philosophy is we are just going to keep two safeties back and force you to move down the field because this is the Big Ten, and we don't really face a lot of teams with quarterbacks and wide receivers who are just going to be able to exploit us kind of dropping back most of the time. Ohio State is supposed to be the team that does that, and they couldn't. Like, to give Rutgers credit... Marvin Harrison was, he finished with two touchdowns, but he was mostly invisible in this game. Emeka Ibuka came back, his first game back, four catches, 29 yards, mostly invisible. Trevion Henderson won this game for Ohio State. It's a similar situation to what I talked about last week when they beat Wisconsin. The difference between Henderson and everybody else that they have at that position is that he has the ability to turn a one-yard gain into the 60-yard touchdown run. And he did that a couple times, and he did that in the passing game. He ran for 128 and had a touchdown. He caught five passes for 80 yards and didn't should have scored on the one, but he got tackled for behind. But that was another perfect example where he was just the check down. McCord dumps it down to him five yards right in front, you know, in the middle of the field. Henderson turns. There are three Rutgers defenders in front of him. So he says, okay, I'm just going to race him to the sideline. And he beats all of them there, turns up field and runs and picks up 65 yards. His ability to do that is the game changer and kind of the key that unlocks this offense for them. And it worked for them today. The The other problem is it only worked because Rutgers has no offense to speak of. Mm-hmm. Like Gavin Wimsat was 10 of 25 for 129 yards. He did have a touchdown. He also had an interception that wasn't entirely his fault, but was mostly his fault. But he also missed a wide open touchdown in the first half. That would have given them a 16 to 7 lead at halftime. They did lead the game 9 to 7 at halftime, and they had a chance to go up two scores in the third before that interception. That's the kind of game it was. But yeah, this is this is just a dirty, nasty Ohio State that has to grind things out, and they keep grinding it out. It's just I I fear for what's going to happen to them when they face Michigan because they're not going to be able to do this against that team. I'm seeing some signals of what might happen to Ohio State when they face Michigan, and it's Michigan will defend them just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, See, but is, is, is and nobody laughed. Is Ohio State? He said, the, "I'm seeing some signals." Come on, man. He he, he needed to put a hat, and sunglasses on. Yeah. Come on. He just he just he put it out there. Ain't nobody it, ain't nobody chuckling at that. Come on, that's good stuff. It, is Ohio State the team that everybody else on this show thinks Florida State is? 
Like that Notre Dame win, a little bit less impressive now, right? You know, struggling with with, with the Wisconsin team that ain't any good. Struggling mm-hmm. with Rutgers. Rutgers is not any good. Like uh, Ohio, Ohio State's resume took a nice little hit this weekend. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be number they, one this week. It's yeah. yet another week where Ohio State doesn't look very good. Ohio State has a damn good defense, and they've got a really good receiver. Two, if Ekbuka's right. And they still have a quarterback problem. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, I mean, he's too tentative. And again, like, this is... This is not me saying like like the Florida State should be above them. Actually, I'm not sure that they should, but like I think we should be able to nitpick Ohio State like we're doing now. They, they, mm-hmm. They're they haven't looked right on offense one time this year. No, the Western Kentucky game, <laughs> they look great. No, but all right. a lot of people look right on offense. Yeah. <laughs> Western Kentucky, dude. But uh, against like Power Five teams, they have looked wholly ordinary most of the time. Like that Penn State game was a game between two really really good defenses. Yeah. But it didn't look that much different from what you've seen from Ohio State in a lot of other games. And I do think, like I said, I think McCord is too tentative at times where, like, you know, Stroud and Fields were more talented, but they also had the realization that, you know what, I've got a bunch of NFL receivers. I can take chances, and these guys will probably bail me out more often than not. McCord seems a little scared to do that sometimes, although he did try at one point today because – he tried to force a ball to Marvin Harrison between three defenders and got picked off doing it. And it was just like, oh, no, that's that's not the kind of risk you should be taking. But it's, yeah, they just, they don't have that difference maker at the spot to really kind of separate them from anybody. Devin Brown is still hurt, correct? Yeah, but he's not the difference maker either. Tristan Jebbia? I'm just trying to figure out what the rest of the room looks like. Is Jebbia hurt? I don't know. I think if you had to play Jebbia, it would hurt you. So yeah, you'd be in a lot of trouble. Okay, yeah. and so where? All right, what? Do, who's our fourth quarterback? I don't know. It's just, you know, there is a there's a segment of the Ohio State fan base that will always be defensive. That will always say, you know, why are you attacking us? This, that, or the other. There's a segment of the Ohio State fan base during this game that was like, all right, his name. I don't have the depth chart pulled up. His name Lucas. I'm really just pulling this off the top of my head. Um, I mean, they're just, they're calling for anything, right? Lincoln Kleinholz. Lincoln, that's it. He's a true freshman, right? I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Okay. He's got some talent, but he's from the Dakotas, right? Like, that's it's some of the worst. qualifier. It's not exactly, yeah, no, the, I, it's I not a mean, crucible of talent for high school football. Right, like, in terms of, like, 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 I'm going to feel a little bit better if you're a guy that played like elite private school ball in Cali or like really good, you know, really good ball in Texas or Georgia or, or, or Florida. Like you've faced high level athletes multiple years in a row, like in the, uh, like Lincoln Klein has, has freaking talent. Like there's no doubt. He's got a lot of talent. Ohio state would not have chased him, but. The chat's popping off with uh, West Dakota Heisman. I'll, I'll have to look it up later, but I'm on. I'm in. You, yeah, you, you West Dakota now? I thought it was just North and South. I, I don't, don't I'm confused. I'm in. Let's go. Great <laughs> nickname. Phenomenal. I hope he wins multiple Big Ten titles, just so I can say that over and over again. By the um, way, chat, the chat's also mentioning how Ohio State was without a couple, with like Denzel Burke didn't play, and I think uh, what's-his-name was out too, no. The other safety, but anyways, that that is that has nothing to do with your offense being no. Bad, like, like that's, I, I don't. 
your defense was fine today. Well, that was not the problem. Uh, and, and look, honestly, Ohio State has played a couple uh, tough games in a row. I I know Wisconsin's not good, but I, I do still consider playing at Wisconsin to be a difficult game, right? And you had to play that right after you had to play Penn State. And Rutgers is just sort of – it's going to be kind of cold weather – they're gonna play hard on defense. It's gonna no, be Wisconsin grabby. poured it out. We saw that because they lost yeah. to Indiana. Like, was, <laughs> Wisconsin well, poured everything it had. Was Rutgers even really trying to win with those short field goals, or were they just trying to oh, keep it close? God, like I, yeah. I, I'm not saying that Greg Schiano threw the game because I'm not gonna make those kind of accusations. I don't think he did, but like I think he was just trying to. I don't know. Play Shiano makes to make accusations. Why should you withhold from him? Here, here's here, here you go because just context for what Bud is saying. These are these are the lengths of the three field oh, goals that Rutgers kicked today. 22 yards, 21 yards, 20 yards. You've had the ball inside the three-yard line or the four-yard line or the five-yard line three times against Ohio State, and you kicked the field goal each time. Like, that is not good. I mean, you know what? Honestly, maybe it does beat this Ohio State team this year if you have an offense. Rutgers doesn't. Like, you're in that position – you gotta go for it. You need a touchdown. Mm. Um, Is, did Colorado switch back to Sean at halftime? I don't know. Do you have any uh, serious interest in this game? I, I would like to, to see what happened in the first half continue in the second half in terms of just playing very slowly and inefficiently, but mostly slowly. <laughs> I'd like this game to be over before we're off the air so that it goes under. <laughs> I'm on Colorado under 24 and a half, so I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they they started going a little more tempo. So mm. uh, I was like, mm, okay, maybe if you put up 52 yards and a uh, 7% rushing success rate. We also so. see. I, I, look, what, you've got Oregon. You, look, you've got Oregon State's defense away from Corvallis. I think that putting them on the field is probably better than having Oregon State's offense against your defense. That that's a good point. Yeah, you know, like more snaps of that probably gives you a better chance to win. <laughs> Who am I? Um, Georgia Bulldogs get caught in a in a tough matchup with Missouri. Missouri played well. Yep. I. Don't know if I'm down. I'm not really down. Bulldogs in cover, right? Nope. But I'm not. I'm not overly like down or panicky about the Bulldogs. Am I being? But am I being a Georgia apologist with that? You know, sort of surface level um, general thought. I mean, look, you're you played a pretty good football team. You didn't play your best. I thought Missouri played its butt off, right? And I mean, you still I, win by you still win by two scores. I, I yeah, guys, it's gonna happen. Georgia's not gonna kill everybody every single week, right? They would have covered against UF, but like the, the margin by which they covered against Florida was largely impacted by the punt block and the failed fourth down attempt. Which, by the way, we didn't mention this in the Texas portion. That's why you do that, right? Because you can you run it on fourth and one. Everybody's expecting tush push. Or, or something similar, and, and like it, you you scoot it over there, it's out the gate, and Texas hits an explosive run on it. It, it, it really kind of turned the game there early for them. So, like I, Georgia, I don't know if they have the ability to just, without turnover aid, beat people by 30 all the time. 
and like you never thought Georgia was going to lose, right? I I didn't. I mean, they Missouri did have the ball down six with like six minutes left, but Beck had made some really nice throws in the second half, so I kind of had felt like okay, he's got a he's got a shot here. Um, I just thought like Mizzou was able to eat heat back up a little bit. They did a good job of getting pressure on him. He struggled with it at times, but he also made some good throws. And, you know, Georgia did finish with 30 points. But I think the bigger takeaway for me here, and the reason I'm not that concerned about Georgia, is, like, Mizzou had 21 points. It was close. But Burden had that 39-yard touchdown and then really didn't do anything else. Like, so the second – Yeah, but, like, they still kind of shut him down. He had three catches on seven targets. So they were able to not take him out of the game, but they were able to limit him. Schrader, they they were willing to give up their yards to. I feel like they, I think they wanted Missouri Missouri running the ball more than Missouri throwing the ball, and they were willing to eat some Schrader yards as long as it kind of you know didn't result in big plays and long touchdowns and making this a track meet. And I think that's kind of what they got. Like I was. It was close. I thought Mizzou played well. I thought Georgia played well. And I just thought Georgia was a better team. So it ended up winning by nine points. Yeah. Um, the only real takeaway, how many outside runs Missouri hit? Like, that's not the first time teams have done this on UGA this mm-hmm. year. We, we, we've talked about this on the show a little bit. Like I, Georgia's D-line is not what it has been the last two years. I I think the team that has the people that Georgia had the past two years plays in Ann Arbor, right? Now, Georgia had some young guys pop against Florida, and that's encouraging if they can get them to show up. But, like, they didn't play at that same level today that they played against the Gators. And I think that's – Georgia needs some of those young dudes to emerge because they're not dominating people on the lines of scrimmage quite like like the, the you know, last two teams did. Now, maybe it just won't happen. Like, that's probably just, hey, bud, if we say these are what these teams are now after 10 weeks, maybe that's just what Georgia is. But if they want to just be the, the, to a spot where they're just like comfortably, yeah, Georgia, stamp it, barring something crazy, that they need that D-line to smoke people. And they're just not doing it every game right now. They don't learn to set contain. That could be a problem against Michigan. Because Michigan's yeah. more than happy to get Corum out there on you. What's weird is like, so Michigan's won the Joe Moore award, right? Mm -hmm. Twice? Mm -hmm. They probably should win it this year. I think they will. Can you win it three years in a row after what? Like, yeah. (laughs) I don't don't know if there's any bylaws with the award. Okay. All right. (laughs) We'll talk to Aaron Taylor. figure, Figure out what the deal is on that one. You can give us the inside. Coming up on the other side. Speaking of Georgia, which, by the way, was not the number one team in the playoff committee rankings, but is the number one team in the AP Top 25. Michigan, who would like to be, obviously, the number one team in the country. So how are all these teams going to stack up? We'll get into projecting the Top 25 and more next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, one thing we like to do every single Saturday night is go ahead and make our projections for what the new college football rankings will look like. Now, for much of the season, we are talking about the AP Top 25 poll, but I think that we would be, you know, uh, we would be too stuck in our own ways if we didn't at least acknowledge also the College Football Playoff Selection Committee, which plays a massive role in the outcome of the season. So let's start right there. 
because Ohio State was number one on Tuesday. The Georgia Bulldogs held their number one spot last Sunday when the new AP poll was released. Do you think that Georgia will still be number one in the AP poll? Do you think that Georgia will overtake Ohio State for number one in the committee rankings? Maybe. Like, I think if Georgia wins today's game by 20, they're 100% going to be ranked number one. What channel but, is Georgia playing on next week? Oh, come on now. Come on. Not sure. Let me check real quick. <laughs> it's the old, they're playing Ole Miss next week, right? Mm-hmm. No, come on. That, well, Ole Miss will be in the top four this week, though. And they should be because they're an elite team who once again played an elite game and wasn't just another coin flip. Um, I don't know what channel it's on. This is taken. It says to be determined. Okay. Uh, look, maybe you move, maybe you don't. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I have a hard time figuring out what the committee will do because I, I really don't think that they do a very good job and it's mostly for ratings. Like, like they're last week. I, I went back and watched the comments and I, I thought it was, just flat out ridiculous to be frank. No, look, you can't no. watch the comments. You just got to look at because it is ridiculous that they send no. one person out there to sure. explain 13 people's ballots. Yeah, I have nor- to explain that normally they ignore precedent. People turn in every single week for the CBS Sports 133. That is exhausting. Sure. All right. So it look. is it is a losing proposition to have to explain what other people voted on. They simply go through, they vote on Do everything. Do a better job compiling the votes, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't think the AP poll's rigged, right? So I, I I that one I think is a better conversation. Like, do we do we think that Ohio State will drop behind FSU three to four? No, in the AP. No. Does Washington get? I think Washington gets a boot bump. You think Washington moves up? Mm-hmm. I think I Washington don't. played a very entertaining game against a national brand with a lot of people watching. If we're talking AP poll, I no, think that it, matters. Even AP poll, I think that Florida State's edge on Washington was significant enough in last week's balloting that there's not going to be any changes. Florida State, like, okay, you were down 7-0, but here's another example of Florida State outplaying the opponent in the second half. Like, they're, they're finishing better than their opponent, with oh. the exception of Boston College, pretty, pretty consistently. Yeah, they... And I think we, we've also learned the value of some of these flu games. I mean, if Oklahoma really had flu against Kansas, like Washington clearly had flu against Arizona State, right? It, you know, it, it seems to matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some of these Saturday moves, I think, like when these lines go absolutely insane, are rumors of, of the team having flu. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, Florida State didn't have Johnny Wilson. They didn't have Keon Coleman. Dustin Hill wasn't healthy. Kentron Portier wasn't healthy. Like, they're basically using their gadget guy as their number one receiver right now, Ja'Kai Douglas. And they didn't have Robert Scott at left tackle. It, I don't know. They're, they're pretty banged up. Defense gave up seven points. Let me ask pretty you this. Solid. Should Forget Washington jump Ohio State? Forget the AP. Does Washington jump Florida State? <laughs> because Washington now has wins over Oregon and USC, Whereas Florida State's win over LSU takes a hit tonight with LSU losing, and their second best win is Duke. So does the committee, considering they put Ohio State at number one, 
not on the strength of how they've played, but just on the strength of wins against Notre Dame and Penn State, do they now do the same thing with Washington? Well, they could, but they're not really consistent week to week. So, yeah, like maybe Florida State falls to five. Maybe maybe Florida State jumps to Ohio State because Ohio State looked like crap against a Rutgers team. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what they'll do. See, the, the problem that the committee faces is that all the top five teams won. Oh, USC oh. won't be a ranked win anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Probably not. I don't know. I, I saw the stat. Like, since they started doing the college football playoff every year, except for two, I think. After the initial rankings, one of the top four teams loses. And now it's three times because all the top five teams won this week. So I don't know how they're going to generate interest in the rankings on Tuesday. They're going to have to move some people around. I think it's Ohio State. Ohio State won still? No, I think that Georgia, which was two, moves up over Ohio State for the one because Missouri will not fall out of the rankings. So it's one more. I mean... Every single game that is left until they get to Georgia Tech, so I guess it's just Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, those are just opportunities for the Bulldogs to submit their status as the number one team heading into the final year of the four-team playoff. And I expect that Georgia, which again, like on tomorrow's top 25 today, I am just projecting the AP poll, but my projection, I got to run the chipolytics later, but like for sure, my hunch is that with that extra quality win, you're going to be looking at Georgia taking over the number one spot. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Again, they're going to move people around. It, um, it'll all play itself out. That's not, the now, that's not the purpose of the segment, bud. I know. But now Georgia has a ranked win, so they could say, you know, now that the resume combined with the eye test tell us that Georgia's the best team in the country. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's literally yeah. just checking boxes. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and there was no box that you could check for Georgia because you were talking about Florida and Kentucky. And neither one of those teams were in the committee's top 25. And the committee tells us that when they view top 25, they view their own rankings. Now they have their own rankings. But how do you view your own ranking when you're using your ranking to put together your ranking? If your ranking's not complete, that's why the first one's messy. That's why the first one's messy. But I'm saying, like, if you're saying it's a top 25 win, like, have you settled on 24 yet? Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. When you're looking at Georgia's resume, have you finished your rankings to this point? No, I can tell you, and this is the honest truth. They look at like when they meet for this week, they will use the ones they released on Tuesday, and that is how they count the top 25 wins. All right. And when they meet the next week, they'll do the ones they release this next Tuesday. So they use old rankings. Yeah, because. <laughs> yeah. It... <laughs> well, well, why don't they use the week three rankings, Chip? <laughs> well, because you can't do the week three rankings. That's not their rankings. But why can you use past rankings from one week and not the other? Because you haven't set the new table yet. I will say on, on the Georgia point. Georgia had a chance today for its schedule to like completely fall apart. Mm-hmm. Florida, Arkansas, Tennessee, Jacksonville State, Ole Miss, AM. Like that game looked like a coin flip to me, right? AM is going to be what, a six and six team, and Ole Miss just keeps luck boxing their way to, to, to a one loss record. Yeah, exactly. Um, but South Carolina did pull it out. That was incredible, by the way. Like just the, the, the third downs that Jack State converted were, were pretty wild. Uh, you know, now Florida chokes it away against Arkansas. It's probably a game you can't lose, I think, uh, if you're Napier. But 
who knows? Uh, Ole Miss winning is big for UGA because mm-hmm. the committee will reference that as a top 10 win when, when, when Georgia smokes Ole Miss. Oklahoma State, top 15 team. If I mean, Ole Miss could be a top 10 team, Oklahoma State can damn sure be a top 15 team. If you're ranking teams for who they are right now, yeah. If if you still consider the South Alabama loss, no. But I'm not I, I would rank them based on who they are now, yes. The committee does so they say they care more about wins and losses. I think in terms of digging a team extra for who you lost to, that is usually true. Uh, they do just for the most part do an ordinal ranking based on we're going to group everybody with zero losses here and then we're going to rank them like within that zero loss tier and then the next one will be the teams with one loss and then we'll rank those and two so like they they really don't consider anybody with one loss over somebody with zero now regardless of strength or weakness of resume so yeah I, tennessee um, or oklahoma state who's got a better position I mean, oklahoma state's got a better resume yeah, like Tennessee beat up on uh, UConn today. Uh, if if you move up for that, then what what are we doing here? No, no, no. But they're going to be placed next to each other. That's the problem. Is in the AP poll, Oklahoma State was not ranked last week. There, there's not. They, they are crashing the poll with wins over Oklahoma, Kansas, and Kansas State. They are jumping everyone in line. They are fast passing their ass into the top fifteen. And the question is, their company will be Utah, Tennessee, UCLA. I mean, well, it depends on what happens in the desert, but like. That is their company that we're dealing with. So how do they stack up against their company? And by the way, how is this also significant? We're talking about like New Year's Six bowl games, right? There's two bids out there for teams mm-hmm. that can get up into the top 12. And with the ranked teams that still have to play against other ranked teams, if you're in the top 16 on November 5th, 6th, 7th, you've got a chance if you can win out to be able to get yourself to the Cotton Bowl or the Peach Bowl. Well, I, I think there's a good chance they're going to be in the top 16 simply because LSU, Notre Dame, USC, and maybe UCLA are all going to lose here. So that's four spots right now you're jumping, whether you pass anybody in front of you that didn't lose or not. So. Did, did you just see this play? No. Which one? So Oregon State was going for two to go up uh, 22 to three to get up 18. And uh, DJ mishandled the snap. It was high, and Colorado returned for uh, for a two point conversion. So it's now twenty to five. Great score. Yeah, score Gami. Great score. It's better than twenty two to three. Coming up on the other side, and a whole lot of bangers. We still got to get to from a loaded week ten Saturday. A lot of topics we still need to unpack as well, including what are our Sunday plans, and do they involve. Having to get together? We'll get into that and more. Next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. And I ask, do you think that Jimbo Fisher is going to get fired? Tomorrow? Nine, nine straight road losses. Can't, can't beat a ranked team away from home. Obviously, nine straight road losses. That includes road losses against unranked teams as well, and those sting even worse. You had a potential game-tying field goal. Like, look, Texas A&M, offensively, like Bobby Petrino is going to be sitting there in the coaches' meeting saying, I did my job. (laughs) Oh, God. 
Evan Stewart got banged up and knocked out of the game. Look, you're you're That's Texas the- A&M's AD. You fire Jimbo and you look around and there on your left is Bobby Petrino and there on your right is DJ Durkin. And you're like, uh, is there a special teams coordinator I can hire for the interim? Well, it's okay. Steve Adasio's on the staff too. Oh my God, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It's a, and it's so an it's so funny, guys. I mean, like, yeah. I, I didn't want to be an asshole, but like, t- Bud's like, oh, Texas A&M's losing their composure, and I'm like, and water is wet. <laughs> yeah. you, mean the, you mean the poorly coached team caught in a moment of adversity is not responding well? Interesting. Um, that was a hell of a nut shot. I mean, like that was like some WWF stuff, dude. dude yeah, he was all up in that room, like 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 they teach you how to rip and D line drills. Like that was. I mean, that was, that's, that's the thing is, that should be a multi game suspension. Like, like yes. you 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 really like like he he should get the entire next game and the game after that. Like that is complete nonsense. That's so much worse than targeting. I mean, there's there's some helmets you should be able to hit and some you shouldn't. Texas A&M, like what's what's the finish here? Look, the thing is, you have to pay Jimbo all this money, whether he's your coach or not, right? His buyout's only going down to sixty million next year. What is that more palatable? I've heard the "What are you waiting for?" That that's like a, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, do you think he's going to get it turned around? Do we think next year is going to be some special year with this recruiting class? Do we, do we really think these kids are going to still believe in him and his coaching? I, I don't. I, I bet you they're going to start tuning them out. The Texas A&M Aggies are currently 5-4, and four, remaining schedule Mississippi State. Yeah. Abilene Christian. Them. Yeah. And then uh, they finish the year at LSU. Like, you're... You're probably you're seven and f- you you could win the final three, mm-hmm. but seven and five if we were to project it. Yeah, uh, most likely I would say yeah seven and five. We said before the season that might get him fired. I mean, it should. You're not paying him all that money to go seven and five. You're not paying him seventy five to go seven and five. See what I did there. Yeah, I got it. Got it. Yeah. Great, great, great work, Tom. Catch him when I'm putting down. Yeah. Because Texas A&M played well enough to win that game and didn't. I mean, that's like these. This is what I'm talking about about significance, right? These are the thin margins that we're talking about. That game goes to overtime. Texas A&M might win it. Ole Miss won't get no stops. But did you see the quote from Jackson Dart at the press conference after the game? Yes. It was great. He was he was asked about you know like. Texas A&M players on social media talking crap during the week, whatever. And he just gave the whatever standard kind of, you know, quarterback answer. And then at the end he goes, I guess they just weren't getting enough attention for all their losses. It's <laughs> good stuff. It's awesome. Um, all right. So, uh, oh, oh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll keep this one loaded. Y'all, where, where do y'all want to go? Well, I really think we should keep podcasting until Colorado breaks 100 yards. And they've gone backwards <laughs> in the last two drives, so like, like this this could be here all night. But I, I drank some late coffee, so I'm I'm pretty juiced tonight. Um, all right, where were you impressed that Kansas like went on the road and didn't just have like the hangover thing going on? So I, I I thought that was like a really nice win for them. Well, they put the 
they I did not see the second half because it looked like they had done the like come out in Ames, give it to them early to be able to take control of the game. I did not see Iowa State's charge back into the contest. I, I saw the highlight of the 80 yard touchdown that was able to sort of put them away for good, but I I don't have a full 60 minute analysis on the Jayhawks. There was a Devin Neal touchdown at the goal line where they did a pin and pull on the left and the just the ceiling of the edge and the blocking was just erotic. It was just a beautiful, beautiful play. Like Devin Neal was able to just kind of walk to the corner of the end zone because they just put a wall up there. It was gorgeous. And that's my takeaway from that game. Louisville um, was down Jamari Thrash. Yes, Tom, you need to answer for your comments on Louisville. I have multiple people asking me on Twitter. Please hold Tom accountable. What Were you bashing Louisville? I just don't think Louisville's that good. I really don't. Would, we, would you agree they're like a top 15 level team? Yes, for sure. Like they're like they're better than Tennessee. Yes. They're better than they're better than Utah without rising. I, I look at them than, the same way I look at Ole Miss. You know what I mean? It's like they're a good team, but do I really think they're seven and one, eight and one kind of, you know, like a real true contender? No, because like that win over Notre Dame was great at the time, but well, the shine is starting to come off a little bit because Notre Dame has looked pretty ordinary in every game since. So sorry, Honestly, Louisville, I don't hate that. you. I just don't think you're that great. But you're winning, I, and that's all that should matter. I, I do think it was impressive they won by how much they won without all those guys. Because there mm-hmm. was like six dudes uh, who were questionable going into the day. And like a couple of them didn't play, but like a couple of them are, are playing through stuff, you know, clearly. I, I the defense that was, was pretty, phenomenal today. Yeah, yeah. That. they have a good defense, mm-hmm. and Jeff Brom is going to scheme up some points. Like Jeff Brom is one of the best coaches in the country by far. Like he made per, he won at Purdue. You can't win at Purdue. Like Jeff Brom is shoot. Like uh, on game day, how many coaches would you really rather have than Jeff Brom? On uh, like just when it comes to coaching on game day, and and like game planning and stuff. Not many. Not a ton. I mean. Like he's easily a top ten coach on game day. Say fifteen at worst. Been on the prom train for a while, but I'd say yeah, I, I could see top ten. But I would say no worse than fifteen for sure. Have they been to the ACC championship before? The answer is no. No. Um, they haven't been the. Did ACC they lock it up? Wait, no. with Miami, with Miami's lost, they didn't lock it up. I don't think so. Florida State clinched its spot in the. ACC yes. championship game. I don't know if Louisville did officially just yet. Because Louisville still has, what, three conference games left or two? Two. So they, they if they lost out, yeah. Oh, but okay, they, they, they get Virginia, which... Who uh, knows? We'll see. Yep. Who knows? Who uh, knows? Can we... All right. Is it time now? Stock time? Stock time. Okay, sure. Okay. What'd you think? Clemson's back, baby. The heart. I'll tell you what. (laughs) The heart of this team. And look, I'm not making fun of him. Because they their pets' heads are falling off. They got nobody left on this offense. 
Like, even during the game, you see Brianningstool get like a helmet to the side and he goes down. You see Sage Ennis get like a get knocked up and have to leave. And you're just thinking, oh my goodness. Like, Bo Collins even gets a, a hard hit. Cause look, Notre Dame's got nothing but 22 and 23 year olds out there hitting violently on the defensive side of the football. And as all these Clemson players are leaving, I'm thinking, man, and you know, you're, you're down, you're starting guard and the whole offensive line is just a grab bag. And they've, they pieced duct taped. Was it, uh, Tom was talking about Utah and I think Clemson has given me Utah vibes the way that they like game planned and play called it was a little bit more like Iowa. And here's mm-hmm. why it's like hot Iowa. Because for five, five consecutive possessions, Notre Dame started with the football off a punt inside their own 15 and did not get past the 30-yard line, in which case they punted it back to Clemson. And as you would assume, by the way that that goes, Clemson just punted it right back. So from the middle of the third quarter until about the three-minute mark of the fourth quarter, all they did was punt it back and forth to each other. But the leverage of field position was entirely tilted against Notre Dame. And Clemson's defense, which is not anywhere close to as banged up as its offense and is so much better from an efficiency and a production standpoint than its offense, was able to go and win the game. Jeremiah Trotter, who will be in the NFL, was able to go and win the game. 11 tackles, two and a half sacks, pick six in the first half. It was, it was an Iowa you an Iowa esque way to win a football game, and they were able to go do it. Clemson needed it; they needed a win like this because I'll tell you what: beating North Carolina, beating Georgia Tech, or even beating your rival South Carolina would not have provided the spark of optimism in terms of the overall picture of what's going on here. But the fact that you were able to take. Bud Elliott's words, that absolute mash unit of a squad and go beat a solid, experienced Notre Dame team. That's that little uh, little spark of optimism right there. Do you they, think... Oh, go ahead. You go. I, I was just super impressed by how Clemson was able to move the football running it. Um, Dabo talked in his post game. They had so many guys out, they really didn't feel like they could do all, all like their 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 counter stuff that like that uh that Garrett Riley wants to run. And they basically just ran like little zone scheme stuff. I do think it caught Notre Dame off guard, but it can't catch you off like off guard for that long. They out executed them. Like Clemson was the more physical team today. They they, they kind of wonder if like Notre Dame just thought they were gonna waltz in there and Clemson gave it to them. That was that was pretty impressive, man. I was I, I was really impressed by Clemson. And like we talked about all this week, like, there's Clemson from a power rating standpoint, you, you really can't have them outside of the top 15 with the defense. Now, resume is clearly not like I get that, but like from a gambling perspective and a power rating and a model system, the, their red zone woes are just not going to continue. And they didn't. So they also like they just played Jeremiah Trotter was a beast. They covered Notre Dame easily. Uh, how about Freeman you, take? Oh, I'm sorry again. Like I was, did you see Freeman take two timeouts to the half? Clemson no. was stuck in third and long. There was like a minute left. He had two timeouts in his pocket. He could have called timeout, made him punt, tried to take one more shot at it. Said nah. 
it's not the first time he said game management kind of miscues, is it? It probably won't be the last. One, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, that's enough for football. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Phil Moffa the better running back on this team? Was Will Shipley not playing today actually kind of a blessing in disguise? Keyword running back, I think possibly, yeah. Like he well, might be a better good. runner, but like mm-hmm. Shipley as a pass catcher, they need that pass catching threat on this team. And they, well, they have two pick sixes. But maybe here, I'm just going to, here's an idea. Phil Moffa is your running back. Put Shipley in the slot because you don't have reliable, or at least enough. So maybe if you put Shipley in the slot, which is a very important position in Garrett Riley's offense, you can get both of them on the field more often. Maybe you can create more explosives that way. And then you could still motion Shipley into the backfield and do sorts of all fun stuff, but just a thought. So we have a huge audience hanging out with us in the Cover 3 tailgate right now. Hi, guys. And my numbers tell me, some of y'all haven't hit the subscribe. Change that right what? now. Come on. Oh, no. Come on. Listen, you are hanging out with us. We are hanging out with you. But look, we are rolling on 68 minutes, and we still got like, Lots of games that we got to get to before we get out of here. So all we ask from you as we sit here spending our Saturday night with you, uh, recapping week 10, is to smash that subscribe. So go ahead and do do us a favor and uh, go and get that taken care of while you're hanging out with us live. Well, could, I, could I have a shout out to maybe somebody who's watching live? And if they are, they should subscribe. I want to shout out those Notre Dame fans this week who are in my Instagram DMs calling me a clown for not ranking Sam Hartman in my quarterback power rankings. Hi. Sam Hartman had a horrible game by his standards. By the Sam Hartman standards. I think he had a horrible game for everybody's standards. Agree, but I, I always try to, like, you know, adjust this. I watched a lot of football today, okay? In, <laughs> of, of all of the quarterbacks I watched, he was not the worst. Okay, but, fair, fair. But <laughs> Sam Hartman's <laughs> standards and season averages suggest this was a very, very poor performance Disappointing as Hartman falls to 0-5 as a starter against the Clemson Tigers. And that, you know, it, it was pointed out to me when I was uh, running my mouth arrogantly during the Moneyline sprinkles and tanking Clemson that it was like, oh, yeah, but he had like six touchdowns against Clemson in that one loss. Like, yeah, that's fine. Guess what? He had two interceptions today against Clemson. So, um, congratulations to the NC State Wolfpack and Dave Doran. You are bowl eligible. My over is alive. It is. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. How? How? Tyler Van Dyke has three interceptions in this game. Miami musters just six offensive points, none after halftime. What was your Ooh. favorite point? What was my favorite point for Miami? That might be scratch. I like the fourth. Like you so. mean the moment that the ball went through the goalposts <laughs> on the second field goal? Yeah. <laughs> it was a third of the yeah. way through. Um, hey, listen, dude, bud, they, you, they you made this. Don't spit that evil going into the rivalry game next week. I Oh, no, look, like, Miami it, could totally beat FSU. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if Van Dyke looks right. No, actually, I do know he does not look right. Yeah, no, that's that. that's like Miami's defense played well today. Like North Carolina State finished with 231 yards, and Miami never really had a chance to win this game. And it's like 
the th- what four turnovers <laughs> like there were the three interceptions it's just uh, it's, Miami either I it is the weirdest team it's I don't know if weird is the right word it's the most predictable team it's either going to win and not look as good as it should or it's going to look terrible and lose <laughs> I got no eyes on uh Houston Baylor David Randall hopes nobody else did either. No, I mean, no. So I'll tell you what I saw is I saw the uh, the game winning conversion in the highlight package during a halftime show, but haven't gotten a chance to go back and watch it. And you know what that ga- game winning what the highlight show showed? It's how happy Dane Holgerson looked. And I remember I talked on the instant reaction show about the look in his eyes after the hail mary. Mm-hmm. That guy is riding a heater at the blackjack table right now. He's just he's throwing it all in. Come on, why not? Right? It's a good win for them. Um, yeah, it's bad news for Baylor. It's bad news for Dave Aranda. It was great for my Houston plus four. I didn't see. I I only saw the overtime. Like I was tracking the box score because I had the Houston lock, and then felt very comfortable. And then Baylor, I think, converted like a fourth and twenty-two in the final drive of the game to keep it alive and got a touchdown to tie it and force overtime. And I thought I was going to lose my block because of it, but. Yeah, Dana did the smart thing. He went for two. Shout out to um, to Bo Nix. You said, all right, which was your favorite of the six Miami points? Which was your favorite of the six Bo Nix touchdowns? And Oregon got off to a terrible start in this game. Yeah, when they hit the gas on you, it's different. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those interesting, I guess like now we we, we pushed off Washington USC it was very good to see Michael Penix look like Michael Penix again. You know, we said, I, I wonder if Penix is right. Bud's guy, Jalen Polk, got a touchdown. You know, Roma Dunze was Polk. just like shedding people left and right. Um, Dylan Johnson, the running back who has stepped in. Remember, Washington lost its primary running back. Was it before the season or early in the season? Like, maybe after a game or late fall camp. Dylan Johnson has emerged as a real game changer at the running back position, and he had an awesome game uh, for the Huskies. Uh, Washington and Oregon right now, I would take Oregon in Las Vegas. But, you know, you, if you're Washington, you feel a little bit better after seeing, seeing even, even if it was USC's defense, just knowing that you can go out there and run the ball and – just have the confidence of some physicality there. First, I would just say that this game gave me everything I wanted from this game. So, yes, thank you to the, both teams. The flea flicker <laughs> was incredible. Was amazing. I was yeah. like, I'm watching something from the like, you know, when you eat Dippin' Dots and it's like the ice cream of the future. This is like the <laughs> offense of the future. I was like, holy cow, this is this is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, but that that is like the Lincoln Riley experience in a nutshell, though, right? Like a play you've never seen before that blows your mind in a defense that gives up 572 yards and 52 points. <laughs> like that's that's what it all comes down to. And it's I I cracked the code watching this one. I know what you got to do to get USC defenders out of their run fits. You just hand the ball off, <laughs> and it happens just magically. There's all of a sudden lanes everywhere. Um, no, like Washington. They looked the best that they've looked in weeks. And they gave up a lot of points to USC, but USC is going to put up points on you. But if you're Washington at this point, it's just about surviving. Because as long as you keep winning and you get to the Pac-12 championship, 
yes, you're going to have to beat Oregon again. And I'm with you, Chip. And I know, Bud, you feel the same way. Like, we, we would all take Oregon right now in the rematch. But you get there and you win that game, you're in the playoff. Like, you control your own destiny at that point. Because you know for a fact Michigan and Ohio State aren't going to win out. So that's all you have to do. That is all you need to worry about. So just simply getting that win and being able to do it without Polk in the lineup and finding a run game, which you've had all year, but I don't think they ran the ball nearly as well against anybody else that they did today. So just, yeah, it's a lot of reasons to feel good. Just keep doing what you're doing. I really wanted that, like, second-half bet Oregon. And they had such a damn big lead by the half. I was like, damn it. Like, I, I was like, okay, don't. I, I don't need to lie, Ben, right now. I, I, I got some other stuff I need to go do. I actually need to go downstairs, and I come back. I'm like, okay, great. Or, Oregon's just murder ball again. It, Cal really didn't move the ball on them very much in the first half. It was you had a Bonex pick for the first mm-hmm. time in quite a while, and then you had what like a fumble. And I I think Oregon is really good, and we should also note like recruiting wise, good God, Oregon is killing it right now. Yeah. For the 24 cycle? Yes. Like, Oregon Uh, is playing for keeps, if you guys catch my drift. Like, they ain't messing around. Uh, I think Oregon is very quickly going to threaten for the number two roster in the Big Ten mm -hmm. behind Ohio State. They are, of the four teams coming, they're the one I have the least concern about as far as adapting just fine. Yeah. Shout out to Utah. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't – did you? Wow. I, I watched this. You did? Um, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I, <laughs> this, this was this was one I, I I was very interested in um, after looking at it. So I just feel bad for Dillingham here. I think they've lost like six or seven offensive linemen. Isaiah Glass didn't even make the trip. That's their starting left tackle, and like they had to move a freshman guard. A true freshman guard out to left tackle against Utah's guys. Like, this is going to be horrendous. I mean, like, th- there's absolutely no way Arizona State's going to score. I mean, th- they scored what did they score? Three, seven, wh- whatever it was. Three. The three. final score is 55 to three, which they for finished my, with like, 83 were, total yards. Yeah. yeah. And, and there was a Colorado's like, what's wrong with that? But, um, sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm watching them just absolutely mess around now, right now. But I mean, like so, my my long distance observation again, with as you could not tell by the good for you is, and after the way that last week went, so much hype. Everybody's in town, right? You had college game day in town. Fox was in, like the Fox pregame show wasn't there, but you were the big Fox game. I mean, they kicked, uh, they kicked that other game to Fox Business, right? Just so that you could be there on broadcast television. And yet you got embarrassed by Oregon in Rice Eccles to then be able to just work all the kinks out. I don't know how I don't change my belief of how good Utah is based on the sticker shock of 55 to three on the scoreboard, but good for Utah. That was, and that's probably, probably felt really good to uh, kick, kick the doo doo out of somebody. Yeah, I'm pretty, sure I, I'm pretty sure I took Arizona State in our expert picks, so I didn't <laughs> see this coming. Whoopsie. They, um, Whoopsie daisy race. There was like a weird like late hit on a touchdown, and I was like, oh, Arizona State, you did it now. I, I, Whittingham's going to run it up on you. I, I I don't know if they dropped 55 if they don't have the late hit there, but they did, and, and they did. So, Good observation. Um, Arkansas. 
Florida was down its two defensive tackles and its starting middle linebacker today. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, like uh, our editor, Adam not, Mark, uh, the, the, the DN sap and then one of the D tackles. Mm-hmm. Soon, like that got dropped in Slack this morning before kickoff. As soon as I saw that, I was quickly racing to take Arkansas over 23 and a half, and it worked. They had another critical <laughs> special teams penalty. I don't know. I mean, Florida's not going to a bowl. We know that for sure now. They could still go to a bowl. Like th- there's there's three there's three games in which they won't be massive massive dogs. Mm. This sure? was the most like this was the one that you kind of feel like hey, you need to win. I, I want to hear I want to hear this because they when lost I to see, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. I, I just saw Florida lose to Arkansas at home. And uh Okay. I mean I, th- uh, I I thought Rocket Sanders was uh had his eyes elsewhere, but he showed be- up for a buck like, <laughs> in Gainesville. I don't think anybody they play is so invincible that Florida couldn't beat them. Like Florida's not a good team, but they're not horrendous. Right? Yeah, but see the fact that they're not good is why I don't think they're gonna do what they have to do to get to a sure. bowl game. But like could they could they score on Missouri potentially? I I guess. Could LSU just totally fall apart? Yes. I I, I could see LSU kind of cratering after this one. You know. Um. Could they score enough with LSU though? No, that's a good point. Probably not. Like Probably they're gonna not. have to drag LSU down into the swamp. They're gonna have to get them down in that muddy water. I don't think they can. Yeah. Tough scene. Tough scene for the Gators. Um, all right, what else? Let's see. What, what else? The Big Ten West? Oh, Illinois. Take hey. me through it. Hold, hold my hand. Yeah. Colorado hit 100 yards. Uh, Go well, Buffs. Show's over. All right, in, in stream. <laughs> well, first, I wanted to start. We'll get to Illinois. I wanted to start by talking about the Big Ten West leading Iowa Hawkeyes, who played a 10-7 to game at Wrigley Field, so... It was not the highest scoring game at Wrigley Field this year. I think it ranked sixth or seventh. I think the Cubs had seven games that featured more points or runs than today's Iowa Northwestern game did today. But Brian Ferentz rallying the troops to get 10 points on 169 yards of all. Jesus Christ. I can't even pretend. Um, Yeah, so Iowa's in first place in the Big Ten West, but I wanted Northwestern to come back and win this game because with Illinois beating Minnesota, it would have left five teams tied at three and three in the division for first place. But now Iowa has sole possession of first place. It controls its destiny. But now I will get to what I wanted to talk about. Illinois, with an incredible comeback in the final minute in a game, I have seen Illinois lose 150 times. Illinois nursing a lead, turning the ball over twice in the fourth quarter to allow Minnesota to take the lead, getting the ball back with just over a minute left. Luke Altmeyer getting sacked on third down, fumbling, having to leave the game because he's hurt. So the backup, John Paddock, the transfer from Ball State, comes in facing a 4th and 11, having to march the entirety of the field for a touchdown. Converts the 4th and 11, converts another pass, and then finds Isaiah Williams for a 46-yard touchdown on the third play. Paddock comes in cold off the bench, 
goes three for three for 85 yards and a touchdown. Illinois wins. It's just, it was incredible. And also, like I said on the locks pod, Minnesota was able to move the ball the entire first half because Johnny Newton was suspended for a BS targeting from the game against Wisconsin. Newton comes in. Minnesota can't do crap on offense once he's in the game, except the two times Illinois turned it over and gave him short fields they scored. But that was just, I told you guys, Illinois' bull hopes, they're still alive. Hell, Illinois' division title hopes are still alive. Their final three games are Indiana, Iowa, and Northwestern. They can win all three of them. The Illini are back. Kelly Manis with three touchdowns. Good for But him. also uh, 167 he, yards passing on He needed four. Uh, yeah, smart decision. If you get uh, pulled off into the game and you are the Illinois quarterback, just look for number one, Isaiah Williams. And Isaiah, had he fumbled like in the fourth quarter too, which really kind of led to Minnesota's touchdown to give him the lead. So he went from like heartbreak to, you know, the penthouse catching that. He finished with 13 catches, 131 yards, two touchdowns. Just, yeah, felt um, good. All right, while we're that. in. While we're in the Big Ten corner, less competitive games, far less competitive games. Uh, Penn State absolutely takes <laughs> Maryland. I think Maryland's done. Yeah. Take the check. Take the... No, 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 no. This is yeah. different. No, because take the check, take the losses. Is Maryland going 7-5 and five overall, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if Maryland's going to win another game. They got palindrome today. Like Penn State scored 27 points in the fourth quarter. Um, and Penn State, Penn State also, like Utah, needed to just beat Take out some. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Penn State, I mean, defensively, they held. Here you go. Maryland finished with negative 49 yards rushing. <laughs> now, 47 of those negative yards were on Talia Sachs. So if you take those out, Maryland had negative two yards rushing on eight carries. Final remaining schedule at Nebraska, Michigan home at Rutgers. They could beat Nebraska. Nebraska lost to Michigan State. If you lost to Mich- if you lose to the Spartans, you can lose to anybody. It's true. I didn't see that one. That is an amazing result. I had that on my quad box. It just if you can't score any points. Like it's not just if you can lose to Michigan State. Like if you can't score any points, you can lose to anybody. <laughs> they Nebraska doesn't have an offense. Yeah, they don't have a John Paddock. Um, Michigan forty-one, Purdue thirteen. Setting aside the pain of Michigan team total over forty-one and a half. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> setting that to the side with an unbiased analysis. What do we make? This seemed routine. It's, it's time to bring up this stat once again. It is now, well, technically it's November 5th. It is week 10. Michigan is 9-0. and And Michigan's defense is yet to be in a first and goal situation. <laughs> Nobody has managed a first down inside the 10-yard line. You could point out all the stolen signs you want. This team just, it's ridiculous. They dominate everybody they've played. It's its not even a contest. It's mostly just Michigan having fun beating up on some little kid. Handshake snub? Chat saying? 
Well, I wouldn't be surprised with Walter saying what he said yeah. during the week. I want to point something out, by the way, because we've talked about this. There's been a lot of quotes, anonymous quotes from Big Ten coaches about, you know, what they think the Big Ten should do and blah, blah, blah. Two coaches have gone on record. Ryan Walters and Matt Rule. What do they have in common? They lost? No, they're both in their first year. Oh. <laughs> There's a reason the other coaches don't want to be on record saying it. They've been around for a while. They've been playing the game. The first year coaches are like, yeah, we don't want this is bad. Just pointing that out. Hmm. See, the thing is, it's about the health and safety, you know, like, uh, you know, if you're, if, if it's going to be like recruiting or whatever, that's, that's one thing. But if it's within the 60 minutes of the game, come on. All right. Anything. And remember, as always, uh, disclaimer, clearly there have been moments where any of the three of us have discussed what we did or didn't get to see. That's why we have Mondays upon further review to be able to dig in deeper on the stuff we didn't get a chance to watch on a very busy and chaotic Saturday. Anything else that you want to uh, mention before we get out of here? One final thing. I didn't watch a minute of it. I just saw the score and I've stared at the box score. Memphis 59, South Florida 50. <laughs> That's a game I kind of want to go back and watch just to see how terrible it was, but terrible in a wonderful, fun way. So I've been trying to get my – I'm glad you mentioned that. I've been trying to get my hands on Memphis for about a month now, and I think the play is overs or the Memphis opponent team total over. I think that they can't stop anybody – but because Seth Hedigan and the offense can still score, especially against action-type opponents, which in general don't have high-quality defense, they just get caught in these kind of games where the likes of um, a, was it, like a, like whether it's a, a North Texas, you know, or whoever, like you're going to be able to go out there and score points. So that's that's my new read. I mean, like you said, Tom, they caught CUSA, all right? Mm -hmm. Memphis is looking real CUSA right now. Then protect your borders. Oh, Hennigan didn't play today? No, he did. He played. Okay. Threw for four touchdowns. All right. Yeah. Byron he, Brown threw he, for five touchdowns. He did get hurt late. Um, what the hell happened with Army and Air Force? Oh, five turnovers. Did you guys get eyes on it? Let's, let's oh, yeah. see. Let okay. me see what this uh all right, Tom, you, you mentioned it. I had this pulled up from the HQ research room. Army, like Air Force turned the ball over, I think, four times. Was it five? I can't it, it might have been it was, five. I think it was five. It, it, I think it was five and six possessions. Maybe yeah, like they turned the they were turning the ball over like crazy early in the game. Army took advantage, got 17 points, but they were all kind of, you know, like short fields. They weren't really marching down the field. And Neither one of these teams was able to move the ball. Like for like any time they had to go more than 70 yards, nobody was going 70 yards. So Army jumps out to that quick 17-0 lead, and then it was just maybe a first down or two before punting, and then you'd punt, and then the other team maybe a first down or two before punting, or in Air Force's case, a couple more turnovers. So it was just it was a very, very ugly football game in which I thought obviously the under was dead within the first 10 minutes, but Buddy, they just they nursed that sucker home. 45-10. 
So here we go. Uh, Air Force drives in the first half. Turnover on downs in their own territory. Turnover in their own territory. Turnover in their own territory. Turnover on downs. Not in their own territory. Congratulations. Field goal and then turnover at midfield. Field goal attempt. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, I know that they also had the missed field goal. I'm sorry. So that's how it happens. Whereas Army went touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, punt, punt, field goal, punt, punt, downs, punt, punt game. Undercashed. Yeah, oh, I'd yeah, say great time to uh, say, you know what? I'm going to stay away from the under and just take Air Force. <laughs> 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 That's a whoopsie-daisy rate. Anything else? I'm trying uh, to think what we haven't discussed. Kentucky smoked Mississippi State. Wasn't Damn really competitive. Right. Um, Sam, got FAU. Oh, congratulations to Sam Houston. We no longer have a winless team at the FBS level. Wait, who did Sam Houston beat? They beat Kennesaw State. So. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Shouts to Boston College and Troy. Troy, I believe, one game away from being a Sunbelt uh, lock now. Or, well, to, to play for it. BC's going bowling. Troy has any honor, they will demand the opportunity to play James Madison in the title game. I think Troy probably would welcome a rematch, actually. I'm saying, yeah. Like they, they played with them pretty well. Do what's right, Trojans. You oh, did did right. Stan did Stanford get, get Washington State? You're damn right they did. That's plus four hundred on the sprinkles for your boy. Washington Man. State is done. Oh, done. Yeah, done. I don't know if you saw the message board rumors around Pullman this week. I did not. Oh, I don't know if we should. Uh, these are just rumors. Rumors, rumors, rumors. Jake Dickert to Michigan State. That is the word spreading around Pullman. How does Michigan, does Michigan State know? I don't know. <laughs> but wait, but wait, according, wait. According, to, according to somebody who knows somebody on the team, the players think that Jake Dickert's taking the Michigan State job. Buddy, he interviewed. And came back and told his players, like, yo, I got, I crushed that. Michigan State's going to hire Urban Meyer. <laughs> Jake Dicker has to go back into his locker room after not getting the Michigan State job. Like, sorry, guys, I'm back. Yeah. April Fools. <laughs> oh, man. Look, we'll see. We'll see. A lot to play out. It's the month of November. Uh, things get a little bit wacky, especially when it comes to the coaching carousel. Uh, we will be sure to keep you abreast of all of the latest. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fidelli. You can follow him at Fidelli at 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. <laughs>